0: Love Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clatch. This is Marianne Russo. Well, tonight's show could not be more timely. Um, As most of us are having our CSE meetings, and we're either tweaking or beginning the process of obtaining an IEP for our children, um, we have got the guest for you. Denise Goldberg, who is the founder of Special um, Education Advisor, is here tonight, and we could not have brought you a more incredible resource. Um, to help you through navigating the system, understanding um, how to advocate, and to go into your meetings confident and empowered. So welcome, Denise Goldberg. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Oh, I'm I'm thrilled you're back. You've done chats and they were just amazing, so we just had to get you on the air. Um, I wanted to ask you first, um, how you got involved with special education?
1: Well, uh, my son was born, um, SGA classification, small for gestational age, and with that, um, developmental delays in every way. You're talking about speech, um, a pro- proxy of speech, uh, texture sensitivity, fine motor, gross motor delay, occupational therapy for everything, and um, as well as a learning disability, and he also has... Um, Growth problems, which we're also dealing with now. He does HGH uh, shots daily. So okay. um, you have your hands full. <laughs> yeah, we do. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we started him with therapies uh, when he was a year old, regarding uh, feeding and and his apraxia, and then we got into speech, and we got into OT, and then we eventually um, realized that our our son's preschool wasn't working for him. It was a private preschool and they really couldn't deal with um, a kid out of the box. Right. And so we finally put him into a – we got um, assessed through LA Unified at age four, and we moved him into a preschool mixed class, and then – so that's where it began. You know, now he's 10, and it's been years of, you know, reassessing and fighting for more services and always staying on top of everything because – you can never just, you know, let it go. It's continuous, though.
0: So. right. And it really does unravel. I mean, when the, when the children are very young, even in preschool, you really don't know what you have, and it does unravel over time so that their needs and their accommodations are going to become more obvious as they get older i did forget to mention and i do want to say that our tweet chat is open and we have the amazing may wilkinson Um, most of you know her as autism is not the boss and she is our host on uh, the tweet chat so you can run over to twitter and um, jump on the tweet chat with the hashtag tck and interact with others and denise will be taking your calls Um, You know, I I think I'd like to start the interview by discussing um, what parents need to know and understand about the system, because it's very complicated, Um, it can be very political at times, and, you know, not all districts are the same. So why don't we start with the basics? So explain to us what the the, um, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act is.
1: Well, that was a law that's established to help children um, have access to public education with the assistance of services. And basically it's there to um, provide a free, appropriate public education, and it's designed to meet, you know, their unique needs and to prepare them for further education and independent living. That's what it's designed for. And you have to think about that statement, you know, because with with all these children with different disabilities, you know, um, things don't come naturally, um, and they ha- a lot of things they have to learn, and they have to learn skills to prepare them for life to be a productive adult, and this is what it's all about, and it's about free appropriate education, public least education. restrictive, right? Right, least restrictive, and um, that's what allows parents to have your child assessed for special education. And if they find that, um, you know, it, everything works out for them, then they get an IEP, and, you know, you take it from there. So that's okay. what this law does.
0: So what are some of the main rights that parents have um, under this, this act? Because well, the, the they, rights are for the parents, but they're really to protect the child. So what rights do the parents have?
1: Well, the parents always have the right to have a child assessed, and I think that's where it gets really difficult for parents because they'll go to their – and say, I think you know, I have a you know, my child has a problem and processing, for example, and the school psychologist might say, well, what are their grades, you know? And they would say, well, maybe they're Cs and maybe a little bit, a couple of Bs or in some Ds, and they might say, well, you know what? They're not going to qualify. Their their um, their grades are too high, and it's up to the parents to do the research and know the rights that they, no matter what the grades are. They always have the right to the assessments, always. doesn't matter what grades that the child is receiving.
0: Well, they always try to throw in there, not always. I shouldn't say that because, I mean, I happen to be in an unbelievable district that has been incredible with us. But, um, you know, some parents are told that the child needs to be two years behind.
1: Right, and I've heard that as well, and it's a, it's a huge misconception. They, As far as academic assessments, they'll say, well, You know, they'll do the academic assessments and they'll say, well, they're not quite two years behind. And actually that's um, not what the law says. The law says they just have to prove need, just have to prove need. And, And a lot of parents don't know that.
0: Right. Well, intelligence should never be an indicator of um, a need for accommodations because there are a lot of children that have um, mental illnesses, anxiety disorders, um, mm-hmm. Asperger's, that really, I mean, are, are brilliant. I mean, never mind right. you There's, know being above average. I mean, they're brilliant, but they have significant needs.
1: Absolutely. There's children with autism that are gifted, which they'll call 2E, you know, twice exceptional, mm-hmm. and um, that have autism, they're gifted. So you really, intelligence has nothing to do with that it it's about it's about addressing using their strengths to help them with their disability so that again they can eventually lead and you know and not everyone will but um a productive adult life in in, in society that's what it's there for
0: so what is a parent's right to an assessment Say a parent sees that their, their child has developmental delays or they're you know lagging behind other children socially or academically or, or whatever it is i mean in your do- your child's case, um there were significant disabilities that were obvious, but there are some invisible disabilities, and that's when the system becomes even more difficult so um how does a parent go about getting an assessment <clears throat> um Is that a right that if they require they ask one they ask for one that they would get one?
1: Yes, that is the law. If you request an assessment being done, and and if it's an if it's a first IEP, I would have I would check just about everything. If it's a it's a if it's a right. new you know, check everything: social, emotional, academics, um, hearing, vision, um, and psych you know do a psych eval. Everything should be looked at just to rule out anything else. Right, And, you know, these,
0: uh, if they're very comprehensive, these assessments, um, this is not a quick one- or two-hour test. I mean, I know, um, you know, sometimes they're broken up and they can take three days to complete. Right. This and is because, a very significant.
1: Right. And, again, we always tell everyone, all of our clients, you know, you have to request everything in writing, FYI. Every request must be in writing, just in case. They could say, oh, we were never asked, we were never told. Um, everything... Any request should always be in writing. And when you do um, sign off on the assessments for your child, also request that they that you receive a copy of the assessments four to five days prior to the IEP meeting because you want to have time to read it. This mm-hmm. is a new language. You have new acronyms. You have new definitions. You have uh, scales in terms of academic, you know, and standard deviations and so forth. So give yourself four or five days to look at that. Make sure you request all assessments prior so that you're not, you know, surprised and sitting there like, I don't understand what I'm reading. So you can right. start doing some research. I don't understand this. Go look it up online. So that you are you are a productive member of the IEP team when you have the meeting. And you can you can collaborate with the teacher and the vice principal because you know exactly what they're talking about.
0: And you know, um most times you're going to go in and they're going to find the deficits and they're going to find um, the areas where there are weaknesses, and you're going to go forth. But in some cases, the assessment does not show a need. So um, what is a parent's recourse if they disagree with the school's assessment? And does it always have to be done by the school? Can a parent have a private assessment done?
1: You can have a private assessment done. They have to consider it. They don't necessarily have to follow it. Uh, What I, because we've done that as well, um, what also works is that you request an IEE, Independent Educational Evaluation, at public expense. and um, And then you can either basically hold another IEP after that and look at that. And we've done that as well. We've disagreed with the school assessments, request an IEE, hold another IEP, and if the school still isn't um, willing to work with you, then you can file for due process and take it to the next level. Um, Because sometimes you might have to do it in due process anyway before the school district is willing to make a decision. They may even ask for an IEE anyway, so you may as well do it. Well,
0: why don't you explain to everyone what an IEE is in the due process?
1: It's an independent educational evaluation, and um, IDEA says that um, it allows parents to ask for it because um, if the parent disagrees in an evaluation obtained by the public agency, this is stated in the law you have the right to ask for this at public expense because not all parents can afford a private evaluation. So they've they've inserted that into the law to help parents, and a lot of parents don't know this, at public expense. Right. Public expense, parents know that you have the right to ask for that. They have to pay for it. If they don't pay for it, then the school district has to file for due process and convince the hearing officer that their original assessments were correct. They'd have to file against the parent. But a lot of uh, school districts, you know, do do, do the IEE if you do ask for it.
0: Now, I just wanted to set up, um, you know, most of us, um, have been too many meetings, um, and, you know, we're, we're very used to it. Right. Um, but, you know, for the person that's going to walk in now, um, why don't you set the stage of who should be there and um, explain what a parent advocate is and why some parents um, choose to have them attend the meeting. It's always offered.
1: Right. Um, usually, and we always suggest to parents, they should, first of all, bring someone with them, grandma, friend. Anybody, because it's an overwhelming experience, and it's good to have a support there. And you have the right to bring But any, any parent has the right to bring anyone that has any knowledge about the child. For example, you have a developmental pediatrician, for example, a, school, mm-hmm. a uh, private psychologist. The parent has the right to bring anyone to their meeting. Um, Absolutely,
0: the, and... and um these if the, if the doctors i mean i have always had the doctors present mm-hmm. um and i've always had um um if they could not be there um it would be done by um by phone by
1: conference um, call mm-hmm.
0: absolutely conference call it's very important that the district understand um the recommendations of the treating physician mm-hmm. that really carries a lot of weight um, in these meetings,
1: right. um, what what I, I would
0: like you to disc- to explain to parents because I don't I'm not sure that all parents understand the difference between a child being classified and a child having a 504. There is a very big difference, and I think that it's important um, that parents understand it.
1: Right. So when a child is classified with a disability, and it could be. A learning disability, which would be SLD, or ADHD falls under OHI, Other Health Impairment, that is giving you a classification for a specific disability, which allows you, and there's 13 categories, by the way, where a child can be classified with a disability. It allows a child to receive special education services under IDEA, and have an IEP, as versus a 504, a 504 really is a civil rights law, and it means that the child cannot be, his civil rights can't be violated, you can't discriminate. So therefore, all that can be done are just basic accommodations. That could be maybe um, sitting up front in the class, maybe a little bit longer on tests, but you're not getting special education services. You're strictly getting a few accommodations to help you in the classroom, but that's it.
0: And, you know, it's much more difficult um, to have the child classified in most cases because along with the classification comes a lot more accommodations. Absolutely. And um, it is, you know, very costly. I mean, you know, that's, right. that's, and that's... not a secret, and these districts are overwhelmed, but right. um, and especially in this economy, but it is very important to um, know the difference and to know um, if your child is going to need to be classified. Um, now, at what point, because when we go to, you go to the meetings, there's going to be the teachers, there's going to be the head of um, special education, um, there will be the parents, a parent advocate, but, you know, sometimes um, there can't be a meeting of the minds. So yeah. at what point um, would, would a family need a professional advocate or a special education attorney?
1: Usually when they when they're, they feel like they're being bullied, they feel like the school is not listening to them and and taking their concerns into consideration. Um they feel they feel like their rights are being violated or they've the school district has predetermined um services or the amount of services or where it's going to be at prior to an IEP meeting which is in fact not allowed. Any any services have to be determined during the IEP team meeting. Um stuff like that, you know, you have to realize that, you know, they'll get they will you know, they will try to do as much as they can because it, you know, they are in a budget crisis right now. And so those that that actually bring an advocate or an attorney with them, they will start negotiating with them because they have to. For those that say, "Okay, I'm going to just accept whatever's given to me and walk away," that's you know that's the way it is. So basically, it's kind of a numbers game. You know, if one in ten bring an advocate and an attorney, that one person will probably get have a better negotiation than the other nine.
0: Right. And what we are really negotiating um, are accommodations.
1: Exactly. And we'll you know, here. I think
0: pe- uh, people need to understand that accommodations don't have to be restricted to. Um, test time or um, homework exemption or class size they can be very individualized and well, I right. think that 's what pe- what parents need to understand is that what you 're really asking for is a differentiated education plan for your child because your child learns differently or they have needs. You could put fidgets in there a sensory solution mm-hmm. i mean adjusted days there 's so much mm-hmm. but but first, you need documentation, so tell
1: Absolutely. everybody
0: about documentation.
1: You know, it's important to document for so many reasons, um, to prove need. That's, I mean, to prove need, to make sure that, that when you do have an IEP that they're not the school is not out of compliance. Um, if you have to go to due process, you have all of your paper trail to go along with it. Um, you look at the educational records. You look at teacher-to-teacher notes. It's very important to have, like I said earlier, your request done in writing, so if something has not been um, handled properly, you can present all the letters that you've written to the school to a hearing officer. And again, it's to prove, you know, to prove need because your child, you know, a child might need services desperately, and the school's not budging. So you have to go to the district and prove need via all this documentation, and that's what it's about.
0: Right, and that's why journaling is so important for parents.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, you know, also, you know, in, in IEPs there can be um, accommodations made where a child is having medication changes right. that, um they could have shortened days. Mm-hmm. Um, some children are just not capable of spending an entire day in school. They're too dysregulated. They can mm-hmm. have half days. They can have home tutoring by the district. There are a lot of options, and parents really need to start thinking out of the box when it comes to providing an education for their kids.
1: That's right. Because these kids are not in the box right they, they they're out of the box, they're not in the box, they don't learn the way let's say the average kid learns, so you have to make you have to make accommodations for that, and um they're individuals, they really really are individuals, and um it really um is necessary to have an i e p so that you address those specific um strengths as well as the weaknesses. So you can use those strengths to help with the weakness, you know. It's important to have all of that in the IEP, very important.
0: And I think also it it really is helpful for the teachers Absolutely, because, absolutely. you know, we spoke earlier and I was saying that, you know, my heart goes out to a lot of these teachers, especially, the, you know, the mainstream general education teachers.
1: Mm-hmm. Because, you
0: know, as parents, we have one, I mean, sometimes two children with special needs. And our life revolves around trying to unravel it, be mm-hmm. proactive, um, find what works, what doesn't work, figure out the triggers. So you can imagine a teacher that has a classroom with maybe five children with special mm-hmm. needs. It's very overwhelming.
1: Right. Um and, right, one could have um ADHD, one can have autism, one can have a learning disability. And then so you you have to work with them in different ways.
0: Right. And you know, we're going to go into um in a little bit about um you know, parents um trying to find alternative um education. If by chance, you know, you and the be, even the best of districts can offer every accommodation if for some children it won't work, but um what I wanted to discuss first was <clears throat> When parents go into these meetings, Mm -hmm. um, usually you will find that it's just a lot of negativity, Mm -hmm. what the child can't do, why the child is not, you know, functioning at a certain level. And that's where parents really need to stand up. They need to step up and they need to really speak against the conformity of Mm -hmm. um, the school. And, um, you know, I want to talk a bit about being positive because a lot of times especially i don't know how how old are your children denise my son's
1: 10
0: okay He's my when, one they and get, only. <laughs> when oh that's a romance
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: they, when they get a little bit older um when electives are in play mm-hmm. oftentimes a lot of these children um and teens um they choose to take away electives and um it sometimes really is not a good thing to overwhelm them with resource classes And it's very important that if you have a child that, say, is gifted in art or music or language, the last thing you want to do is take away a positive. Right. So, you know, for me, when a parent goes into an IEP meeting, it's so important to make sure that they know how fantastic your kid is as well as the deficits that your child has.
1: Right. Um, I think it's, I, I agree with you 100%. You have to look at the strengths. And you know what as a parent it's very hard to hear like you said all the negative things that your child can't do. You know, it's very difficult to hear that. So it's important for the parent to hear what, you know, what are the strengths? Um he's, you know, how in terms of also the teachers, how do they feel about him? You have to have that positive um those positive comments to keep you going. And it's important, you know, for these, even even when the kids are old enough to be in an IEP meeting, once you get to, you know, you can start having them in by middle school if you want right. to. Right. And it's important for them to hear positive comments about themselves. That yeah. motivates them to keep going as well. So I think even for them, they have to be constantly reminded, you know, what they can do, not always what they can't do
0: and also you know that we underestimate the um self advocacy of, of our children at times too
1: mm-hmm. and
0: sometimes these kids really surprise you in these meetings when they yeah. can really talk about um what where you know what the blocks uh, you know are for them um you know i think a lot of times um parents rely on the schools to advise them and assume that they're going to go in and be offered all the accommodations that are available. And a lot of schools do. But, you know, like we were just saying, in these economic times with the budget cuts, it's very difficult. So um, how does a parent go about educating themselves so that they can go in there confident and educated?
1: Well, you can go start researching. Um, You can go to someone like your organization, um, and you can go into rights law, um, and you know I think that uh, on our our website as well, special education advisor, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of uh, there's wonderful places to find on the internet. There's wonderful articles. For example, um, LA Unified has what's called a recreational therapist. Um, not all all school districts have that, but you know, there's wonderful ways of finding these different things in the different districts and. You know, it's really important to know what your school district has. You have to you have to research that. That's a parent, you know, responsibility.
0: And you know, At- parents also have to find out what a lot of districts have alternative programs. And you know, a lot of you know, there, a lot of these alternative programs have gotten a bad reputation for absolutely no reason. Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of these other programs really work very, very well for these kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes there are alternative schools and programs that aren't part of the district that a child may be entitled to.
1: Right. Um, What we have out here are called non-public schools, for example, in California. They're um, state-certified schools, but they're privately owned and operated, but they actually work with kids with special needs. So one school might be for a child who is gifted and has autism, it could be another school has a learning, you know, specializes in learning disabilities only. You have to start thinking out of the box because maybe your local high school, which is highly academic, isn't going to help, you know, isn't going to be a good fit for your child that might have, you know, a learning disability or ADHD or that kind of thing. So it's important you have to again do your research in your local school district.
0: Right, and you know, again, the focused interest for a lot of these children. Um is what saves them I mean, look at temple Grandin, you know that's right um you know, so a lot of times these focused interests um really make the difference in their being able to be independent, which is ultimately the goal and there are a lot of um vocational schools that are a great option,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: and um it parents really just need to think out of the box when they're they're dealing with their children
1: right and they it, um, it could be right it could be a reading program. Say, for example, they're using open court at one school, but your child has a reading disability at maybe an NPS school that uses Linda Mood Bell, you know, and that's something that Mm -hmm. they might be able to process, you know.
0: You know, a lot of times parents um, are told you cannot make a unilateral decision when when they're trying to send their child to a private school um, because it may be for. you know, a nonverbal learning disability or a language delay or whatever yeah. reason that the school may be a better choice and the ch- the child is, um, you know, is is drowning. Right. Um, how how does that work? Say a parent just says this is not going to work, we cannot provide the accommodations, and we would like to switch to a private school. Is there a way for parents to get the district to pay for at least part of the private school?
1: Well, you'd have to go to due process. Um and that's the only way to do it and you have to you have to prove that the school that that they're currently offering in the i e p does not address is not helping them access the curriculum and then you would go about um, proving that the other school does and probably have to go in front of a hearing officer to make that decision um there's in california the non private schools are are um, contracted out to say for example they have a contract with LA Unified and those are a little easier to get into versus another academy maybe they help children with autism and let's say they have Tourette's but they don't have a contract per se with LA Unified that would probably have to go in front of a hearing officer to get approval for that but it's happened before. If you, oh, if,
0: absolutely. You know, it happens you, all you, the time. There are a lot prove, of cases, right? Yeah,
1: you prove need. It, you can get that private school in a specific disability of, like I said, an autism and Tourette's and, and selective mutism, that type of combination. You might be able to get in there, you know.
0: Right. And the best way to get what you need, and listen, I, I don't know about you, but I've been there with the adversarial um, hostile environment. And it just is so unproductive, and emotions mm-hmm. just run really high. This is your child
1: mm-hmm. um, i've I've seen that believe me, <laughs>
0: yeah, and but you know the the more educated you are, and the more confident you are, the more you are going to be respected
1: That's and right.
0: um you know just explain to parents the difference in the demeanor,
1: well, I think what they you know, for example, they know that. You, if, if, for example, you, they know you know the law, they know you know your rights, they know that they can't tell you something that isn't true, um, they, they're they not going to be able to convince you of something that doesn't exist, or they're not going to be able to talk you out of something because they know you know your rights. So it will be an easier time to work with them, to negotiate. Um, and, again, it's a, a, again, it's a numbers game because a lot of parents don't know so they will walk away and accept whatever the school has, has offered them. And those that do, well, it could be one out of ten, and then they'll sit there and they will negotiate with them because they know they know the law. And so, again, like you said, it's respect. And they will give them that respect because they know that the parent knows the law. Right. And, and bring a
0: picture. You know, give your child a face.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Because all these vice principals now, they because they're short on uh, you know their, their school districts are broke they might have two schools and they're running back and forth from one school to the other mm-hmm. holding IEPs they don't know they've never seen the child they've never right. seen him if you're in a child. big
0: district if you're in a big district they they yeah, exactly
1: you yes. know it's
0: just it's it's just a name there's no face there's no you know it doesn't relationship mean
1: anything right
0: right so <clears throat> You know, it, it's important. So give us some of your tips. You have some great tips on your website. So what are your best tips for preparing for an IEP?
1: Um, well, I I think, like I said before, one of the first tips I would say is to ask for the assessments prior to the IEP. It's so important to so you have the time to read the assessments four to five days prior. Take the time. Understand what you are reading. It's a whole new language. Right. It really is. It it is a whole new language. And, you know, research the law because you're signing a legal document for your child. This is a legally binding document. You should understand what you're signing. Know the definitions, the acronyms, do your research so that when you sign this, you know exactly what they're talking about and what your child is supposed to be receiving. Um, It's always a good idea if you let's say um, they've agreed to give your child his ADHD and they're going to find him eligible under OHI, they're going to give him push-pull resource. That means they're going to pull him out a couple hours a week and then they're going to come in to him a couple hours a week. That's known as push-pull. And But you still feel like, I think, I, I still am concerned that he has a learning disability even though they're only addressing, they're giving him the OHI category, but they're not talking about what I think he still has, you know, a learning disability, put that in the parent section in case something goes wrong, the services aren't working, um, he might need more services in the future. You can say, look, I told you this is documented. I am concerned. I'm calling another IEP. His grades are falling. I think you need to start addressing a learning disability, for example.
0: Right, um, you know, and right. what's key is that you're saying is that this is not a once or twice a year deal. No, you could,
1: could go call to an 22. emergency.
0: Yeah, you can call an emergency 24-hour CSE meeting if there is a situation where your child is really struggling.
1: Mhm.
0: So and that's um, why, you know, yeah, parents need to do that. And parents also need to know, you do not have to agree to everything at that IEP meeting. You can say... Absolutely. I need to think this through. I need to research this further. Um I need to speak with an advocate. You know, mm-hmm. you do not have to feel bullied or pressured.
1: Right, we always recommend you um you take the page you take the I don't sign it the day of the IP meeting.
0: Oh god take it,
1: no. Take it home, read it and then so that you can carefully think about when you fill it out. You know, if you're agreeing to some of it but not all of it, and what your additional comments are going to be, if you are, you know, take the time. Again, this is a legally binding contract. Make sure you read it a couple times before you sign it and make your comments. Um, and again, um, I think that you know, if you, even though your child has an IEP, for example, say they have a they have an IEP under speech, okay. And you go to the school psychologist and say, well, I think he has a learning disability as well. And they try and talk you out of, again, talk you, well, no, no, they're not going to qualify. You know, don't let them do that. Even though you have an IEP, they still may not want to add extra services to your IEP. Don't let them talk you out of it. Have, you know, have it in writing. and it is your right. Have the child assess for additional services. That is your right. Very important.
0: You know, and as I'm listening to you say this, I got like just a pang in my stomach because, you know, I just can't imagine. Maybe I've just been so fortunate. But, you know, that that must be horrible when you know that your kid needs something and, mm-hmm. you know, you have to fight for it. I yeah,
1: mean, and I, I personally terrible. have been there. It's personally happened to me. Um, and, you know, you're almost arguing basically with the school. Um, but I didn't budge, know my rights. Right. And they had to do the assessments, and yep, and it would turn out exactly as I told them that it would. But again, <laughs> you know, you have to know you have to know your rights to say that's it, that's the law. You know, you and also if it. you
0: know if there's changes over the summer because most of us are doing our CSES, I have mine tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of us are doing our CSES, and you know September is a long way away. So if you know something should come up, if things change. Um, you know, don't 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 feel that you can't give the school uh, shoot them an email and say I'm going to need a CSE meeting a little bit more to tweak it. You know, a week before
1: school, right? And you know, a lot some kids, you know, and that kind of gets into the ESY. Sometimes the um, having a break. Explain, is, explain the what ESY
0: because all of our listeners don't oh, know the right. acronyms.
1: Um, extended school year, right? And the purpose of extended school year is to help um, the children who. If they have time off, could have a negative impact um, on their abilities. So they basically extend the school year. It's not summer school. They just basically extend the school year to help them. How does that work? Um, you know, it base. You know, I would. I should say it's not the for the entire summer. They're basically they're adding on an extra five weeks, basically. Mm-hmm. And you do have to, like they might have another four weeks off before school, but it's better than having you know three months off in between you know um spring and, and fall. So it just helps them possibly prevent a large measure of regression in their abilities for a long, you know, having a long break.
0: Right. I uh, mean, I know our district has it and they recommend so it to a lot of students.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to. it
0: is readily um available, but I think a lot of parents feel like, you know, this kid needs a break. You know, it's been. They need a break. You know? No,
1: I understand that. Um, although for our district now, they're making it harder for LA Unified. They really, they really have to show. You have to show need to to um, to give E S Y these days. They're kind of, you know, L Unified has had a lot of problems, so they're really trying to to make it harder. Um, but you know, for these kids, and I see. And they're it in not my full own... day. Pardon me.
0: It's, it's usually not full day.
1: Right. It's just to keep, you know, it's, it's enough to at least keep up with their skills to a certain degree because, you know, you take the average student and they're off for three months. Yeah, you know, they haven't done math. Well, it does affect them. Well, look at this, the children with uh, special needs. It affects them even more.
0: Right. It
1: really, really does. And so it's, it's good for them to at least work with their skills a little bit longer. and th- And it's not for the whole summer you know they they right. have like a month off and then they go back to school.
0: So, let's talk about special education advisor your baby.
1: Mm-hmm. Cuz this
0: is a, just an incredible resource. So, um, you know, tell us how you started it and tell us um what you have about the IEP success kit and also I wanted to talk to you about um the um gold standard advocates.
1: Great. Um well, we actually we we started by uh, helping friends and families with their IEPs, and and that's kind of how Gold Standard Advocates came about about two years ago. But we've also found that in this um, economic time, you know, not not everyone can afford to hire an advocate. So we started the uh, SpecialEducationAdvisor.com as a way to help parents learn to advocate for their own child as well as a way to reach other parents that have children with special needs and uh, bring on wonderful articles from people all over the country. We have therapists and parents, and and we get wonderful articles. And um, any of you out there that are listening, please submit one. And, you know, and Mary Ann, you too, because we always, everybody has something important to say or to teach other parents Um, about what's going on in the special education community. And sharing your ideas is a a great way of doing it. So we started this website, um, and we've had a really good response. And, again, it was, well, we get phone calls. I I can't afford an advocate, but this is a situation that I experienced in my IEP or what's going on in school. And so we developed this kit to try and guide parents through the process help them with sample letters that they might need to write to the school, explain what independent educational evaluations are, help keep a log of communication between the parent and the school, explaining school assessments when you're reading them, also giving them kind of a list of questions that, you know, may have come up in your IEP, did they offer you, you know, um, when you disagree with that, did you request an independent educational evaluation? Just as a reminder, you have the right to do that. And then we also have a section on um, special education acronyms, definitions,
0: oh, that frequently so asked important. questions.
1: It's so important because you have to understand what the IEP says about your child. And it's thirty nine ninety five, and we sell it online. And it's really, we've had parents um, purchase it. We have service providers, and they. Might, Or they're parent groups and they'll buy one and then they'll they'll help all their parents in that they service. Um, so you know, it, you know. It's
0: just such a great resource because, you know, I think parents think that they're going to go in and that, you know, everything's going to be fine and they're going to tell me what my child needs. And more than likely, you know, there's a good chance they will. There's a chance they won't. But it's so important just to know the language.
1: Absolutely, and it's just to a, know
0: what to expect.
1: hmm You know, it's and you're not a. This is a whole new world. This isn't something that that you know you're you're taught this, and this is a very specialized area, and that's why, um, you know, we did this because you have to do your research before you go in there. Otherwise, it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming.
0: Right, and you know, also if you don't know what is available you don't know what to ask for it's that right. simple
1: right know. and you also don't know when your possibly your rights have been violated because you you know you could have asked for such and such and you didn't know that so um right. and
0: you know it's also so so frustrating because sometimes you go and you know you've been speaking to the teacher and the teacher is telling you all of these deficits and you know then you go into the meeting and the teacher's you know, are in a very difficult situation because it is a political situation. It is. You know, a lot of money on the line. This is is, um, a legal document on the line, and, you know, nothing is more frustrating than to be sitting there. I've been in this position. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, nothing is more frustrating than to have a teacher, you know, not backing you up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to know what you're doing when you're in there because sometimes you're going to be on your own. And sometimes, you know, I've had teachers that are in there and they fought like hell for my child.
1: Mm -hmm. So, you
0: know, you just never know
1: right and and they are and teachers are in a very difficult position they have you right. know they they have an employer who's who it's still a corporation um they still have budgets that they have to meet and you know it these are tough times and so they they're really really stuck between the parent trying to help the child and trying to help and trying to you know be loyal to their employer so it's a very difficult position so you do have to rely on your knowledge Knowing right. your rights, knowing the law, you know you are your child's best advocate.
0: Oh well, do you know that's our slogan, right? Yeah, <laughs> you are. <laughs> you are
1: a parent. Your the parent is the child's best advocate. There's no He's, doubt about it. No doubt about it. That is it. And so you know you. You know, have if you to want to be good at first. your
0: job, you know, you you wrote um, your bl- uh, blog, um, your present job, your, your child's future. I mean, this is your job. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, say you were in, you know, uh, a painter. Mm-hmm. you would want to be the most informed, best painter you could be. Well, mm-hmm. our job, having special needs children, is Absolutely. raising these children, and you better be good at it, you know, and this is a huge part of it. For me, educating my child was the most difficult part of the entire situation, mm-hmm. and I know many, many parents that say that. It is so stressful. Mm-hmm. Oh, and It creates is. so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. when you're trying to just educate your child. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this this resource that you have is incredible because I I wish I had it back then. you well, thank you. Are, you. you know, you're <laughs> you know you're already listed. You know, we're launching tomorrow. We have an incredible website coming out. Um, oh, all of the resources aren't on there, but we have put together an incredible resource for parents, and you are absolutely on the top of the list there. Great,
1: um, great, great.
0: So now the gold standard advocates, um, is that the same thing? Or is that something different?
1: No, that's that's just, that's my husband and myself. Um, it's just, it's pretty much we go to the IEP meeting with the parent, um, you know, and they hire us to go with with them to the meeting. And um, it's usually either LA Unified or Santa Clarita or the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. And um, you great. know, that's mm-hmm, that's what we do. All
0: right, because so I we know you we
1: know. We actually have two businesses, really. And it's website. very
0: difficult sometimes to find an advocate because there aren't many um, professional advocates. And, um, you know, it can be very expensive. So, you know, it's great when you have somebody, um, you know, that you know of in your area.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I would say, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Southern California. No, I'm a, um, I'm a
0: New York girl. Yeah,
1: so L.A. has probably more than what would be uh, – Antelope Valley Lancaster, which is um, it's a, the smallest school district. The parents have a much harder time, so uh, we we can get a lot of sometimes more calls from them because the smaller school districts may not have as many services to offer than right. the larger school district, and so they have a harder time. So sometimes it's more the smaller than the large that we we uh, our clients come from.
0: So before we end here, I wanted to talk about one of your, you, you have great articles that you post on Twitter. Um, and one of the last ones, I think, was, Are You Channeling Your Indignation? Yes. <laughs> so tell us about that.
1: <laughs> well, um, I will tell you that um, I think the whole purpose of that article is to remind everyone that it's not you're not evil when you file for due process. You're basically finding a peaceful resolution to the situation. And, you know, it's it's the time for to, to negotiate. It's a time yelling and screaming is that's done because that can right. be done in IEP meetings. That we've all been there and yep. you get nowhere. You get nowhere. So this is basically a reminder that filing for due process is really a peaceful resolution. It's a chance to channel your your uh, your anger in a different way in a more productive way to prove your child needs the services that's what right. it's
0: about right you know yeah i look at it this way if i bought a washing machine and it wasn't working mm-hmm. and despite the fact that you know, the manufacturer repeatedly tried to fix it mm-hmm. um you know it wasn't working would i go to small claims court to try to get a new washing machine of course i mean and this mm-hmm. is your child so sometimes right. you know you don't have a choice
1: right and it's it's you know if you feel like your child's rights have, have been violated you have the right to 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 do process just like you said if you you know this has occurred in regarding an appliance same thing small claims court same thing and so it's not a it's not evil you know it's not evil it's a way to, to resolve this peacefully. it's a way to um you know to prove help your child um receive services that they probably, you know most likely in all cases need most likely and um you're doing it in a productive way so that that's what um that's what that the article's about
0: right and you know when it comes down to it there are so many options for our kids and um you know, educating them is just so important, and it's also so difficult. So, I thank you very much. Uh, well, thank for you for us. having me. And um, you know, as I said, you will absolutely be listed as one of our resources on our website. Excellent. And um, why don't you let everybody know what the website is, so that they can go over and take a look?
1: Well, uh, we are SpecialEducationAdvisor.com. dot com. And again, um, we have articles. We have the special education law. We have forums. We have the top 10 largest uh, school districts in the country. We have information on those. Uh, We sell the IEP Success Kit on there. And, you know, it has a lot of really good, useful information. There is also a submit an article section. For anyone who wants to submit an article, like I said, parents, educating parents is a wonderful thing. Um, And we all have a lot to share with others, and, and we love it, and we keep, getting wonderful articles we hope it continues and
0: um well and i'll tell you 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 are a parent's best friend oh thank because you because i'm telling you i wish i had this resource back you know when my daughter started um this is just if, if you're a parent whether you're you know new to this situation or whether you know you're a warrior there's going to be something that you're going to find on this website it is really it's outstanding it's a great resource for you so, um again, thank you, Denise. I appreciate you coming by.
1: Thank you very much, Marianne. Nice to be here.
0: Okay. Um, I just wanted to announce that Wednesday, um, uh, we have Amalia um Starr as our as our guest and um Mae Wilkinson is going to be hosting that. I'm taking the night off. Um Amalia is a national speaker, um, autism advocate, and she is the author of Raising Brandon. She is going to be discussing transitioning your um teen um with autism into adulthood. And um, she's been telling me she has a very special announcement. So she's had me uh, a little bit in suspense here. So she'll be making that announcement on Wednesday night. Sunday is Mother's Day, and we will not have a show. But the following Sunday, we have a really interesting man. You might have seen him on Ingenious Minds on the Discovery Channel. Derek Amato is going to be with us. Um, This man had a brain injury when he dove into a pool And um, after his injury, he developed musical savant skills. He's one in a billion. And um, it's just an incredible story of brain injury. And he's going to be with us to discuss that. So as I said before, we are launching our website tomorrow. And I am really excited. We've put a lot of effort into it, a lot of thought into it. Uh, We're going to be adding resources as we go along. Um, But we're really hoping that this is going to be a really great resource for parents, um, just looking for everything, special education, law, special needs, products, and it also is going to have um, access to all of our amazing guests that come on. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's tomorrow. As I end the show each night, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent here on the Coffee Clutch. Thank you for joining us.